Welcome to the View in Your Mirror podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa Rubin and Katie Harms. From new moves to tried and true strategies, we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life. Come along as we hope to inspire, engage, and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear. Good morning, Lisa Rubin. Good morning, Katie Harms. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Minnesota. And uh, who knows what it's like in the rest of the world, but we look out and see the sun. We need some rain. This is your weather report. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got for me? <laughs> well, well, it is supposed to rain, Katie, on Wednesday is what I heard. Okay, good. <laughs> but we are not a weather podcast. <laughs> we, we are not. We are not. Hey, we have Leah B. Olson as our guest. Leah is a local sports uh, broadcaster, and she's so much more. So I'm excited for you to meet Leah B. She is, I'm going to say, our first tall. <laughs> taller than you. Taller. Uh, we might be eye to eye. We'll have to see who's taller. But I, it's just as it were, we have had a lot of petite women on our podcast thus far. So I'm, I'm happy to know I'm going to be able to stand up and look eye to eye to Leah B. <laughs> And I'll have to look up. <laughs> and you'll way have to up. look up. <laughs> yes. I, I got I to gotta say one thing. One size fits all. One size fits all? Or is it one size fits most? One size fits everybody? Not so much. I have a very funny story. Okay. I was in a shop, which shall remain nameless. I ended up buying some things. I was appropriately dressed to be shopping, as it were. I felt comfortable. I felt good. Found some cute things. It makes a difference when you're wearing clothes that you feel good in, right? When you're shopping. Absolutely, because if you don't feel good when you're shopping, we can have a whole conversation about that because you end up buying all this stuff you didn't need. No, exactly. So I found a few really cute pieces, but there was one really adorable sweater. I mean, adorable sweater. So I loved it from the start. And I looked at the tag and of course it says, one size fits all. And I said, <laughs> did you just laugh? Or just, do you laugh when that happens? I just laughed. And I said, no, no. And the really lovely sales associate was there. Oh, no, you would be surprised. And I said, oh, no, I really know. I've had this happen a lot of times. And I really know it is not a one size fits all deal. Trust me on this. Oh, no, really. I've had so many people try. I said, you know what? Just to appease you, I'm going to try this on. And I said, you know, it's got to go somewhere, right? So whether it's it's loose, it's kind of a loose weave. So whether you take it up by going out or up, either way, and I'm being a six foot tall woman who is, you know, carrying some weight, this is not going to work. It just doesn't work. So it wasn't interesting. We got a good laugh out of it. Of course, it didn't even come close to fitting. Did Could you even put it over your head and put your arms in? Uh, because generally what head, happens yes. is it's the armholes that don't fit and the one size fits most. Yeah, this was, it was the body issue. Mm. It was pretty loose and it had a big open collar, almost like a boat neck collar. So I guess that just really does tell us, right, that one size does not fit all or most <laughs> or anybody. <laughs> exactly. So stop doing it, designers. Now, I'm making noise, aren't I? You're making a lot of noise because the material of your dress <laughs> is making the noise. All right. So now I have a fashion don't. Let's see. It's been a while since I've had a fashion don't that we've talked about. We talked about the bra and I've adjusted that every day, every time I see you, every every day in the morning. What, what do I do about my clothes? I mean, I don't have any jewelry on. I don't. 
but it is really loud, whatever, and it's cotton, but you know what? Well, it's not really cotton. There might be a little bit of cotton in there. It's more polyester. <laughs> it is not. We're going we're gonna to look at the label afterwards. I'm going to be right, Katie. You usually are, Lisa. <sighs> anyway, so one of the things that I do talk about with people when we're going through everything is be very careful about the clothes you're wearing and the jewelry you're wearing so it doesn't sing or make noise. Because if you're with a group of people or you're in a boardroom or you're speaking or you're on Zoom and your earrings or your necklace or your shirt is making noise, it's very distracting. Mm -hmm. And so just be aware of it. All right. I'll work on that. Yeah, just, I mean, it's a very cute dress on you, Katie. Thank you. I love it. We are going to welcome Leah B. Olson. I'm super excited to have her. Before we do that, I'm going to put your brain to the test. Uh-oh. We know we're in season two. Did we figure out what actual episode we're on? And does it really matter? It does matter, Katie. <laughs> Um, I think we're in season two mm -hmm. and probably episode 15. All right. We'll have to check your work. Without further ado, it's time to bring on Leah B. Olson. Leah B. Olson, we are excited to have you. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. So you're at a networking event and somebody meets you for the first time. How would you describe yourself? Ooh, good question. Um, so if I'm just meeting somebody, I probably would just give them a little background, like I'm a born and raised homegirl from South Minneapolis, haven't strayed far, uh, a sports girl, love my sports, I don't know, fun, I like to have fun, um, laugh, there has to be, I will actually fake laugh to get a laugh. If, I, if I've gone through a day and I realize I haven't laughed, I'll actually try to fake laugh to get myself to laugh. So the laughing piece is kind of big for me. I love that. Yeah. It's kind of scary, though. Like, someone comes in the room, and I'm, like, fake laughing by myself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And they're on the phone calling your mother or somebody. What's Something's going, going on, on here? here with Leah B? Okay, so yeah. what's your vocation? My vocation. What drives you? What fuels your what? passion? What And maybe what pays the bills? I am... I actually am a broadcaster, so... Um, my career for the past 25 years has been working in sports broadcasting. So I work with Minnesota Timberwolves, Minnesota Lynx. Um, I've hosted a lot of different shows for the Vikings and the Gophers. And then I do the state high school tournaments for boys and girls basketball. That's one of my favorite things to do because that makes me remember why I love the game is when all the high schoolers come in and the cheerleaders and the bands and all of the good stuff. So, And I interview people. And basically my passion around that is I love the story behind the athlete. And so I'm always just so interested on like, how did you get here? How did you become successful? Why is this person better than that person? And everyone has a different story. So even though I've been in it a long time, it always feels new. Kind of why we started the podcast. Exactly why we started the podcast. Yeah. We wanted everybody's story, and especially in the in the realm of women, particularly. Mm -hmm. Although we know we have we we have male listeners, and we love you, <laughs> all of you, whoever you are. But I think when we talk about women and what makes them special and what makes them shine and what how they set themselves up to start their day mm -hmm. and how they got to where they are, and that's a unique story. So you touched on something, and we met because of uh, uh, the Twin City Dunkers, which yep. is heavily sports-related yes, and heavily related to the University of Minnesota and athletics, which you were a basketball player for the U of M. That's correct. 
a long time ago. Well, <laughs> it just seems like yesterday, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. I know. Although, then you look at your life, oh my your gosh. body of work, and it's like, really, it's that was long so time. long ago. Yep. And you're a mom. Yeah. Two college-age kids. Actually, my daughter, Jada, just graduated from college in May. And because of COVID, we couldn't be there, but um, we watched a video and watched her watch it on a video. And um, so she's graduated. And my son, Will, is a junior at Emory in Atlanta. Going into aviation? No, he is a poli-sci major. <laughs> yes. Wow. So wow, we'll wow. see. Well, I'm, I'm not sure where that's going to lead to. but. Um, and how about Jada? Where did she go? Jada is actually working. She's going to come back to Minneapolis. She's working for an ad agency in downtown Minneapolis. So she actually graduated with a full t- full-time job, which shocked me. Awesome. Yes. Do you think she'll follow in her mom's footsteps? She has the gift of gab, and write. she's a really good writer. I think she's going to want to use it a little bit differently. She's not so much the sports girl. I think she's a little bit more around social justice, save the world type of stuff. So we'll see. She's not exactly sure yet how to use that voice. Well, she's in a good place to use it. Yes. I think Minneapolis has a lot of phenomenal agencies and doing a lot of, lot of work internationally, nationally for sure. Yeah, and I'm excited because the ad agency she's at has a female CEO, Christine Frichty is her name, and Christine Frichty is the CEO at Coy McVoy, and it's it's just like a perfect spot to have your first job, and it's always rated well for women to work there, and Christine's amazing and sharp and just gets it, and so I'm just thrilled for my daughter to have the opportunity to like learn from her and just kind of get early on in your career that type of skill set yes. um, is just super cool. And I love that agency because they do nonprofit work as well. And Proof Alliance is one of the organizations that they lend their voice to and work really hard for, which I'm involved in Proof Alliance, oh, okay. which is alcohol awareness for pregnancy, education and awareness and, and outreach for those who are on the spectrum of fetal alcohol syndrome. Oh, okay. So Love wow. that agency and love love the work that they're doing as well. So good place for your daughter yeah, to get started. So. Yes, it is. Okay, so we got the family. And now I'm going to pivot for a minute because recently the NCAA has come out and said that athletes and their likenesses can be used. Yes. Tell me what your thoughts are on it. Well, I think first and foremost, I'm just not sure like how big of an impact it's going to have. Like I know it's going to have an impact. I just can't figure out. I feel like there's going to be ways that we don't know how it's going to impact. So I'm just kind of anxiously awaiting to see what that's going to look like. I do like to see that the athletes are going to be able to gain a little bit more. Um, I do think you have this very small window in your career, both male and female athletes. I don't think it's going to be a ton of athletes. If you look at athletes in professional sports who get sponsorships, it's really just a small amount of them. If you look at a football team, it's usually just the quarterback. It's it's not a lot of athletes, so I don't necessarily think it's going to be a ton of athletes, but I do think it will be athletes that we're not suspecting. I think we'll have some a good amount of female athletes who have really large followings, and I think then you'll also have the star football player who has 
a good reputation because that's going to be a big part of it for a business to put their name attached to an athlete. So I'm just very curious to see where it goes. I think your NCAA rules, I mean, it's going to be tough because it also could create more ways for corporations to try and give money to kids, you know, so I think you have to be really careful with all of that. But I'm anxiously awaiting to see how it works. I also think it's going to be a great opportunity for female athletes who have maybe not had the stage as much within their own organ within their own schools. Yes, I think so too. And it's and it's going to be about people, you know, the I think the social media following piece is huge. I think you do have to have that for corporations to be interested. But then also, I think it's going to make young people see if you do want to be considered, you're not going to be able to be at the party and doing the hangouts and all the pictures on, you know, you're going to have to present yourself in a different way. So I'm just curious to see who will kind of rise in rise that. Up. Yeah, rise up through that. That's an interesting comment you just made. I, I never thought about that, but that might actually help. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. For if you're if you're really thinking, um, you know, I want a corporation because that's always a risk for it, right? Any corporation to attach their name to an athlete or any person, right? And it's always something that's very calculated and thought out. And so to do it with young college age kids, you really are going to probably want to be sure that this is the person you want representing your company. So, well, we know that athletics is. If used correctly, a great starter. Yes. High school and college athletes. You know, I love the purity of high school. You mentioned that before, having played high school basketball and volleyball mm-hmm. and run track and and just remembering those as some of the best days of my life. And I didn't take it on to college, but my kids did. Yep. And still the love of the game is you can still see it there. Yes. But let's talk post-college and particularly for young women, because I know you do mentoring of young women coming from college and how they're going to start their career. So as a strong female, somebody who has got that athletic experience, what's What's the best advice that you can give to a young person as they're coming out? Well, for me, when I was coming out of college, because there was no WNBA and I never had that dream of playing past college, I was always prepping for what's coming after college. But a lot of young women in college are now able to look at professional options and Olympics and all of those things. And it becomes difficult to think about, well, what, what is the skill set I need if I'm going to play professional sports? And what is the skill set I need if I'm going into corporate America or to run a business or just going into work? And to me, it's the same skill set. And it's getting athletes to see that you're using the exact same skill sets that you used in college and in sports, but you translate it differently for people. And so instead of talking about what it means to be a good teammate, you have to think about what does that mean in the work world? What does it mean to show up and be a good worker, a good teammate to someone in a corporation? How can you make a company better? And so it's a lot of what I do is helping them translate the terms from the sports world into the work world. And it really is the same thing. If you're able to go through college and juggle a schedule, get up early, get all of your homework done, then go work out, eat, do all those things that athletes have to do, you're going to be able to juggle that schedule in the work world. But you have to be able to articulate that to people in the work world. And so some of it is just kind of translation and getting athletes to see that the skills are already there. You just need to know how to interpret it. Repackaging that information and believing that what you've got is powerful. There's a statistic. Is it athletes in general or women athletes that 
96% of those leading companies were former athletes. Yeah, that's for women. For women. Yeah. So Which you, is pretty powerful. It is pretty powerful. And it's and, in, and that's athletes at any level. And so I think that speaks to why we want to have sports accessible to as many girls as possible and opening the doors and allowing people to get in. Because one of the things I think young girls learn is that it's the first place where you can compete with other women in a, or other young girls in a real natural way. Where boys have that all the time. They're always, you know, running and jumping and competing with each other. But girls sometimes don't have that. And then the only time you're competing with another girl is like for a guy or something uncomfortable and weird but sports just has this natural place where we can compete with each other and then be friends afterwards and you and so there's just so many cool skills that I think can come through sports but again I think a lot of times athletes miss that because those lessons people don't really focus on them when you're so focused on winning and so sometimes the winning gets in the way of the value of why we're actually doing it isn't that the truth yeah and and I think a lot of it is about how to keep the passion for what you're doing when you're amidst that pressure to win. Mm-hmm. And you see that with coaches, how much they're moving around. And and I think social media has changed so yeah, much of that. It's so it's, much harder. Yeah. You know, there's the good and the bad of it, but for, that's really changed sure. it. Now, when you meet with these young people, does wardrobe come into it? The conversation about how to present themselves yeah. as they're going into their first jobs or as they're moving up the... The ladder. It's a really good question because it should. And I don't know if it comes up enough because I think I know I struggled with this is like when when you're an athlete in college, you like wear two things. You got your sweats and your uniform and you have not gone past that. And so I do see sometimes athletes kind of struggling with that next piece of how do I put it together for the real world. And then there's an added piece to that is you being so tall that you are. Yes. And the size that they are and there aren't there isn't a lot of clothes out there in the stores that fit them very well so then they get frustrated because they don't know where to go to get those clothes it's so true so i think that's also a problem well and that's one of the places you talked about social media being good and bad the really good part is like there is a lot of sites especially on instagram for tall girls now and it's just very cool i'm on most of them and it's tall women who are telling you where they get, got their clothes, how to make it look right, how to dress, how to walk with confidence. And like none of that was there when I was younger. And so even just seeing other people and other people having the same struggles as you is really pretty cool. And then that there's just more and more people, there's more options now for tall girls. Like for me, when I was coming up, my mom had to like do the sew the extra yes. length onto the bottom of the pants. Oh, yes. oh my gosh. Oh, you're, you're <laughs> talking my language. Yes. The okay. blue jeans with the piece of material <laughs> yep, that around was different the bottom. Colored. <laughs> that was different colored or in and, and if if your mom did anything like my mom, she made it real wild so that it looked like it was on purpose. Right. And I think I'm a little bit older, so the she would cut the gusset in the side also because the bells were oh, bigger. Yes. Yep. So then that material matched the material around the bottom. And I just thought I was so cool in those pants. But really going to Rosedale Mall when I was a kid, it had opened when I was in like eighth grade and shopping with my mom for pants. All I wanted was a pair of store bought right. pants. I know. <laughs> I, the only thing I think about is it has saved me a lot of money. Yeah. So with that... With the new trends for fall, it's the cropped wide leg pant. Now, yes. we all know that anyone who's tall is not going to wear the wide leg cropped pant, even if they have a boot or a booty, because it takes you right back to your childhood. 
And so whenever I see a collection or people are showing me some stuff like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I'm like, if you're over 5'9", forget it. They're not going to buy it. Would you wear well, a I short, do. wide leg crop pant? I think I got a pair. Because I do like the wide, I like the wide look that's coming in right now. I just think it's super cute. I like the baggier pants. I like that look a lot. Is it the wide leg, Lisa, though? Are you talking no, about the wide I'm leg that's about, all the way down or the no, tighter the, pants that then bells out a little bit oh. to the no, wide leg? There's three things that are going to happen this fall. There's the wide leg, really nice pant. You're going to see a lot of that from jeans all the way up to dress pants. Okay. Then you're going to see the short cropped pant, which... Most tall people do not like wearing. And then you're going to see the wide leg cropped pant. So it's going to hit, well, it's supposed to hit like a, someone who's 5'8", five, 5'9", five, about four inches below their knee. Okay. Now, someone who's tall, that's not going to happen. It'll be a little shorter. It will be shorter, so they have to wear a tall boot with it. Yeah. But that isn't probably something that you would be attracted to. Well, actually, I, here's my thing with that is I, I totally get what you're saying, yes, because we have had sh pants be so short for so long that you're sensitive to, to that. But the other side of that is that, like, when you're tall, it always it looks good to have, like, at any length. It still looks good because it doesn't cut your leg off. Or, you know, you're already, you're already so tall, you're not worried about that. So I kind of like right now, and it might just be the phase I'm in in life, is that I can kind of wear any length. And feel fine in it just because I think if it flows right and fits right it's gonna be fine but I can see like there are certain pants or like for me it's more of a pantsuit pant that has to hit my shoe just right otherwise it feels like a high water and then that makes me that triggers the if, like if it, hits your ankle, <laughs> if it hits your ankle bone you're like no yes, not gonna do that to trigger that whole thing especially yes. if it's yes. not supposed to <laughs> right. absolutely if it's not supposed to well, I love that you put thought into this, and I've never known you not to be well put together and presented beautifully. That had to take some forethought, and you, you mentioned that that was a struggle as you started out. So how did you come to that? And when you get up in the morning, how do you, how do you set yourself up? Have you picked out what you're going to wear the day before? What's your thought process? Well, first, I'll start with the hair, because for black women, the hair is always the thing. So when I was growing up, so my mother is white, so she didn't know how to do my hair. And in her defense, um, I have white siblings. She was like, you all had bad hair. So it wasn't just me. <laughs> so she was like, I didn't know how to do anyone's hair. And we were girl, you know, was a, and so that's her excuse. So that's okay. So, so it took me a while to just kind of get comfortable. It was probably in college where I had teammates that were black that were like, okay, here's how you should do your hair. Here's how to get comfortable with it. And then back then, you know, we would, we would straighten our hair with chemicals and all of that stuff. So I don't do that anymore. So that process was probably a bigger one for me, kind of just getting comfortable with the hair. And then at about three years ago, I decided I'm just gonna wear my hair curly again. So it grew out, which when you're a broadcaster and you're growing your hair out on TV is there's, there's a lot of moments where people are like, what's happening like I remember a season ticket holder for the Timberwolves was like I screamed to my wife Leah's hair is curly again and I was like <laughs> you scream that to your wife like, so anyways um but it was just one of those things like I was ready to do it so I was like the world's gonna have to be ready for it so I think to me if my hair is right then 
I feel good. So that's, that's where I usually have to start. And it can be, so now I wear it naturally curly, but then I blow dry it straight. So either one I can wear, but I just have to like how it looks. So that's my first thing. And then I think the other pieces, because I'm 6'1", I have really long legs and a 36 inch inseam, all that stuff is when you finally can afford a tailor. It's like, then I can just get clothes and just get them to fit right. And that's like the biggest thing to me is like, I spent so much of my life in ill-fitted clothes. And I always thought like when I was, when I was in high school and I was super skinny, like painfully skinny. And I always thought I was like a 10 because I have broad shoulders. So I bought everything in a 10, but really I was like a two but to get on my shoulders, I needed, so I had no idea of like what size I actually was. And then what I do now is I just buy a 10 and then I get it fitted, you know? So it's just kind of a, been a process for me. But if you got a good tailor, <laughs> that helps a lot. It we, makes a huge about, difference. Yeah. We talked, in our last uh, podcast, we talked about tailor and alterations and also custom clothing. Because yeah. people think custom, they think, oh my God, that's so expensive. I can't do that. But if you can find somebody that can make some things for you, especially in being a broadcaster yes. and have something made custom that you feel really good in, it's going to fit it. you exactly the way it should fit you. Yes. And then once you get that ready to go, you can just pick out another piece of fabric and have something else made. It's going to look completely different. So I think that's something that people need to think about and wrap their head around it. I think so too. And I would rather have less clothes, in, but just have clothes that fit right. So once you get into that and you realize, you know, for me that what, what you're talking about is like, I really like to have a perfectly fitted white button down shirt because that was always so hard for me. And sometimes I would buy men's and then they were so big and all of that. So if I find that fitted just right, then I'm good. Who has Lisa got a... <laughs> Every woman I know wants the perfectly back. fitted white okay. button-down shirt. And guess what? I have one for every single person. Oh, good. I can't and wait And again, to it comes that. to the fit, right? It it's, it's, it's all about the I fit. I can't stand something to be tight in my shoulders because no. I struggle with that. So anytime I put a jacket on, I have to do this whole thing where lift my arms yep. up, move it back, make sure I can move in it, that whole thing. I, it's so true. It's the so part true. that I love the most when I'm with people this they they put it on and then they stick their arms out and they go like this and i always say to them what part of the day do you do that <laughs> are you just walking like, around doing like, that right? what part of the day are you sticking your arms out and twisting why don't you just lift your arm up yes. put your arm by your side sit down stand sit up sit down right. yeah. button the jacket and then see if you like it but the twist thing yeah no. you don't have to do that yeah no That's you know awesome. this brings up a question for you lisa yes for a jacket Yes. Let's just say it fits you beautifully everywhere, but you can't button it. In other words, a store-bought jacket. A store-bought jacket. It's a blazer. It fits you beautifully everywhere else, but it's just slightly like if you button it, it's uncomfortable. Okay, well there's a lot of answers to that question depending on what kind of jacket and if they've left enough seam allowance on the side seam. So if it fits you perfect in the shoulders, mm -hmm. All they have to do is let it out on the sides. So it has to. You want to see it. If nobody ever knew, you're you never going to gonna button it. it. You're right. never, ever going to button it. You love the way it, it looks. It looks fine on you when you're standing in that mirror and you feel good. And you get it home and you put it on and you feel good. Does it really need to button? Okay, there's, an, there's answers to that <laughs> too. It depends where you're going to wear it. So for example, if you are in court, 
you need to button that jacket. If you were a broadcaster and they were going to shoot you from the waist up, you have to make sure you can button that jacket. If you're giving a speech and you're going to walk on a podium and you're going to have that jacket on, you have to make sure you can button that jacket. So yes, you have to make sure you can button the jacket. But if you're someone that isn't presenting or isn't in a public place, no, you don't have to button the jacket. There it is. All right. We answered that question, I'm sure. Probably wasn't the answer you're expecting, but well, no, I, I, I don't, I don't know that I would. I have a couple of pieces, obviously, that I really love that I'm not willing to give them up, and still could be worn over a white button down or something like that. But they don't close, but they fit everywhere else. Yeah. Well, I'll I have like to take open. a look at them, Katie, yes, and you I'll will. let you know. I should have never brought this up. Yep. She's going to want to see all of those <laughs> jackets. Now she's going to want to see those jackets. Oh, yep, my right goodness. after this podcast, Katie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got work to do again. Hey, let's take a quick break. We're going to talk about Rustica Bakery, which is probably why my jackets don't fit, but I love it so much. <laughs> and we'll be right back. On the Viewing Your Mirror podcast, we love sharing our personal favorites. Rustica Bakery is high on that list, and we know you're going to agree. Rustica has two locations. They're original at 3224 West Lake Street in Minneapolis, across from Calhoun Commons and Whole Food Market. And Southdale Center, next to Lifetime, where you'll enter without even going into the mall. Both have ample parking, either online or in-store. Bread, breakfast, dessert, treats, a menu sure to allow you to find a personal favorite in no time. Online ordering is a breeze and curbside pickup is an option. Available in-store only are savory menu items. Think grab and go for lunch or enjoy them there. Brunch items are offered Friday through Sunday. My personal favorite is the take and bake cookies. Available online or in-store. Truly a capstone for any get-together and in just 15 minutes from package to plate, a memory to make. We highly suggest you always have these in your freezer. RusticaBakery.com. Find the food and drink you adore or try something new. Rustica Bakery puts the love shown by their customers back into every item baked. At Rustica, you're among favorites. And we are back with Leah B. Olson. Is B, does that stand for your maiden name? Yes, that is correct. And were there different Leahs on the table? I feel like I, feel like yeah. I know you as Leah B. Well, I do like that because it's, it's more my broadcasting name and the quick funny story around that. How it, it, So my maiden name is Bergen. So um, so I when I got married, I was going to try to be Leah Bergen Olsen. And it kind of annoyed me to say Leah Bergen Olsen. It was just too long. And so then I, I was working for ESPN WNBA at that time. And um, the great Robin Roberts was actually on that broadcast back then. And so I was sitting with her and she was, I was like, this is my first broadcast on ESPN. And she was like, okay, well, what are you going to do with your name? And I was like, she goes, because if you put Leah Bergen Olsen, then that means you got to go with that. And so then she was like, I, I personally like Leah B. Olsen. And I was like, then that's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, why not? You would take, <laughs> you would take Robin Robinson. Whatever she advice. said I was going to go with. So Absolutely. I was like, yeah. So then, and I like that because, um, Every once in a while, if I'm walking down the street and someone says Leah B, then I know that they know me from broadcast, not necessarily like someone I've forgotten or something. So it's kind of a little indicator. A little marker. Yes. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like Thank it. It you. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you've lived through COVID from a broadcast standpoint yes. in professional sports. Crazy. What? Yeah. What, what thoughts do you have about the last year 
I think the bubble, I want to talk about the bubble. Yeah, for the WNBA and the NBA went into a bubble in Florida um, where it was a really intense lockdown where no one could get in or get out. And they were there for a couple months. So it was a big commitment from everyone to go into the bubble, but it worked extremely well. No one got COVID while they were in the bubble. So it was really um, worth doing. But it was just really interesting. Like Sylvia Fowles from the Lynx was like, I didn't like it. It was like we were in college in a dorm room. We were with all the same people all the time. And it was just, there was a lot of togetherness um, for those who were in the bubble. But um, I think it was, it showed one that people can be resilient and creative and come up with different ways how to do things. That's one of the things I realized with the broadcasting was everything changed and people figured out ways to broadcast games. So when we were broadcasting a Lynx game, myself and Marnie Gellner, who does the play-by-play, we were in Minneapolis in a studio watching the game on a TV and the team was in Florida playing the game and and usually in a broadcast you have control over the broadcast so you can say to the director show a shot of sylvia Fowles, show a shot of um coach reeve and then you can talk about that but because it was just someone in florida shooting the game we never knew what they were going to show so we were just more reacting to the broadcast and they would all of a sudden show coach reeve we would talk about her and they would show someone random we would say nothing, you know, so it was just kind of a different way to do a broadcast. And also what was interesting is every we were relying on Zooms for so much because all the interviews with the players and coaches was done over Zoom. So you had like three Zoom meetings a day where players would come in, you ask questions, everyone, all the media jumps on, a lot of, you know, unmute your mic, unmute your <laughs> mic, all that kind of stuff. But so, but it was, it, it all worked in the end. And so to me it was, I just thought it was cool just to see like people can change, we can make adjustments. And some of the things that have changed in the broadcast world, I think will permanently change. And I think one of the things everyone broadcasters are worried about is because they didn't travel and none of the teams traveled broadcasters with them is kind of worrying, like, are they ever going to let the broadcasters travel again? And once you realize, like, you could save money and do they need to travel? I think you do lose a certain amount of the authenticity when you're not there with the athletes. A lot of what we do is like getting inside information and seeing things and talking to people. And so when you don't have that, it feels more like I don't really know how much different information I have to share with everybody. So I think I think people will travel again. But, you know, if you're a team that's struggling, that would be a way to save money. Sure. So, yeah. In the WNBA, we have a very successful team right here in Minnesota. We are very fortunate. Not all teams are that well supported sure in any manner, so you're exactly right. You might see a lot of things differently depending on where you go or what team you're talking about. Yeah, that's exactly right. One of the things that is good about the WNBA right now is that the talent level is super super high on every team. So you're having players who are getting cut from teams that are really talented because there's not enough teams right now. I think that's a good issue to have because that means that the the play is good, we're at a high level, and we're getting close to being able to expand the league. But you're absolutely right. Glenn Taylor's been a really good owner for the Lynx and has, has treated the Lynx like the Timberwolves. And a lot of teams do not have that. No, they just don't. It's amazing when you really learn what the difference is. Yes. So now the Timberwolves have been sold. Are the Lynx sold right along with it? Yep. 
So that's yeah. going to be interesting. Any be. thoughts on that? I think that um, Coach Reeve feels really positive about the new group coming in and a-Rod and his partners have talked to her specifically about the team and, and what it looks like to support WNBA. And one of the things that the Timberwolves and Lynx do is that they're branded together. So anytime you mention Timberwolves, you need to mention Lynx. And I think when the conversations first started, um, the new owners were just using Timberwolves and they got word that, and then they changed it right away. And so I, I think there's reason to believe that they will be really good owners. So everyone's just very hopeful that they'll provide the same amount of support. Love hearing your perspective, Leah B. Now, we have a first to note. You are our first person of color on our podcast. Yay! Yay! <clears throat> and we as a country are learning so much and yep. the conversations and the dialogue. And on top of that, being a strong female... What I see coming through is that women are judged differently. I think that's just a natural yes. thing that's happening. But women also judge women differently. That's a whole nother level yeah, to it. That's hard. I think like one of the things I've kind of felt coming through is I've always been in spaces where I've been the only woman. And so, and oftentimes the only woman of color. So as things open up and more people come in, I think you have to figure out, oh, wait, there's another woman who, who's at my level. And you're, you're really not used to that. And I think that has been my experience is that you kind of were led to believe there could only be one or two of us in these positions. And really there's space for everybody. And I think the stronger we are is the more there are. But I do feel like women sometimes because we haven't had that with each other coming through in the same way that men have, I feel like we don't always know how to support each other through that. I think that's so But I have a question about that. Okay. Outside of the athletic world that you're in with broadcasting, and there's very few women that do that, but when you get into other women's groups, when you're asked to be part of other women's groups, do you see a difference in how women approach other women? Because as someone who helps women all the time yes. in many high-level positions, I feel like when these kind of women get together in a group, they want to try to help each other. Exactly. Yeah. So and do you I, see a difference in that? I do, and I think you're right. It's in spaces that are we're comfortable in doing that and where we know how to connect with one another, support groups, mentoring groups. You know, I'm in a, I'm involved in a lot of those. And in those spaces, it is, it's very much like we're helping each other and we're giving each other contacts and here's how you should show up. And, and so I have definitely felt supported throughout my career in those spaces. And it's, it's not to say that even in the spaces where I've been one of few that I haven't been supported. It's just that because there's been so few, you just, you just there's a little bit of lack of knowledge on knowing exactly how to maneuver around each other and should is it okay if we go out to lunch together or should we hang out with the guys you know just you feel like you're sometimes overthinking everything that you do and you're navigating new waters really yeah and you're setting it up for those to come exactly. i mean and things are happening and changing really so fast covid has brought that on in some realm but really the me too movement and yep. and you know what it's about darn yeah. time right? yeah so it is fun you're seeing women in all kinds of positions and spaces that they weren't before. And and it doesn't just have to be one. It can be all of us. And so I think we're all better for that. I do too. And I think there is always room to carry each other up. For sure. For sure. Switching gears completely. Do you have a favorite piece? Or a lucky piece? You're going to have a a 
broadcast that you're just not, you're not yourself. Do you grab something in your closet that this always makes you feel good? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see here. It's interesting because I'm in the middle of that shift right now because I've always been a blazer girl and I love that look. I think it's a super clean look. And then COVID hit and the blazers went in the closet and got shut away. And then it turned into like a lot of sweaters and blouses and necklaces. And, and so now as we're coming back into real life, I'm trying to like eye that out like I'm like the blazer's still welcome right like so but like <laughs> but I wasn't really sure because it it did seem like everyone got a lot more casual but I would say my like I do like a classically clean look just like I don't wear a lot of jewelry on a broadcast I like everything pretty clean just gold earrings maybe a little necklace a watch but I'm not gonna wear like costume jewelry or anything like that and then if I'm thinking I just want to have a really perfect night I'm probably just gonna be suited up or at least just like a really nice fitted jacket it makes me just kind of feel good and confident so it's the jacket yeah I think it's the jacket all right now we there was a funny story when Lisa met a friend of hers who she walked with who I don't know and they asked her what I was like and Lisa gave a, a, a description it came to her to use a dog description so I am a, a, Labrador. a Labrador I'm a Labrador <laughs> and she is a standard poodle um, and it really is pretty <laughs> accurate so That's then so now funny. we have been asking everyone of course if you were a dog breed what would you be? Well, I'm just going to go by what I have in my house because I love them so much. <laughs> so I'm going with the Cavalier King Charles because they're just chill and sweet and they like to lay around and have fun. There's nothing like, you know, they're not trying to up anybody. They're not alpha at all, um, but they're just like easy to be with. That's oh one of my gosh. favorite breeds. I love the King Charles. And I think yes. that's a perfect description <laughs> of you. <laughs> I, so love I love that. I love that we're doing it with the dogs. <laughs> it is I a perfect that. description of you. <clears throat> yeah, it absolutely is. I'm going to shift now because we're going to talk a little bit about nonprofit. Okay. When we did this, I said, Lisa, we need to do a nonprofit spotlight each show. I love that. And she loved that idea. And we like to bring light to things that are going on that people might not know about. You have a nonprofit. Yeah. So just real quickly, um, the nonprofit I started is called Rethink the Win. Rethink the Win originally started around when my kids were coming through youth sports and just kind of being shocked um, and disappointed in kind of the culture of youth sports and the parents arguing and some of the negativity and the intensity around winning. And so I just created some curriculum and programming to go to speak to coaches and um and athletes around like, this is why we play. This is the big picture around why we play. And and it, we all love to win, and I like to win too. But if you don't win that fifth grade uh, softball tournament, life is still going to be okay. You know, so you don't have to cause a mass fight and go crazy and yell at the fifth grade official and all that stuff. So um, it turns out everyone actually knows that. It's just that their emotions get the best of them because everyone I talked to was like, yes, I agree, I agree, but we still do it. Post-COVID, I've shifted it a bit because what happened during COVID is we lost a lot of athletes. And we know that, especially with girls, when they drop out early, they don't come back to sports. And so because of access and programs that don't have funds, we're seeing local sports really dissolving. So trying to figure out ways to get teams back playing. I was just working with a team in St. Paul who they were practicing, but they didn't have any money to play in games. So figuring out funding for that and things like that. So I've kind of shifted it just based on the need right now of thinking that it's important for kids to be active and in sports and trying to find more spaces for that to happen. It's a noble cause for sure. And going with what's needed at the time makes a lot of sense. And I think we can bring it back to this. 
Athletics are a critical part of so many people's lives and they carry on through your entire life, whether you brought it into high school, whether you brought it into college, the numbers, the slices of people doing that is less and less. But if you have that memory of a team and that organizational process that went on with it, you will use that as in whatever career that you go into. So Bravo to you for doing thank that. Thank you. Yes. And uh, thank, you. thank you again for being. Are, did we forget anything? Is there any, yeah, any last pressing questions? questions that we, I feel like I just love listening to Leah mm-hmm. B and gaining insight from her. Well, I know I could talk to her for a lot longer. Well, I think you guys need to collaborate on <laughs> yes. when you go out and you do your presentation, because I know you've talked to sports groups over at the University of Minnesota yes. and the women's teams talking about that you know, you, you even have up. those, yes, those, the information on the, the websites for, I didn't even know that. And I, you know, I'm six feet tall. I know where I go get some things, but putting that all together would be yeah. excellent information, but to go in and say, here's what's needed. So I have a feeling you two are going to, you, you two are going to, you're right. You're going to yeah. talk a little <laughs> bit after this podcast, which for me, you know, is all about connections. So I love it. And with that, Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, you are for an absolute pleasure to thank have. Thank you. Yeah, and great job with the podcast. I love it. I love that you're connecting different women and all the good stuff that's going on here. So, thank you for doing that. Thank you. Well, again, we want to thank Leah B for being our guest. And if you want more information about Rethink the Win, you go to rethinkthewin.org. I think what she's doing is just fantastic. I agree. I just I love everything about her. It was Wonderful to just listen to all the facets that you talked about. Yeah, really. And as women, we just have so many facets. So it's fun to be able to dial in and learn more about people. And and I just, I love the connections. I think that's really fun. I did too. I really enjoyed it. Good. Now, Lisa, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do it? Lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net. That's right. I am Katie at katieharms.com. I have recently been working on quite a few jobs up north. I think people are retreating to their lake places quite a bit. And interestingly enough, when you think about it, lake places need even more organization because they're generally smaller. Smaller spaces. Smaller spaces with still a lot of people in them. So, and you've been talking to a lot of people recently who are returning to work and going, what the heck? So I think we need to dial into that in our pre- conversation on on an upcoming podcast. Yeah, we did talk about that. Yes, I have several people telling me that, again, I've talked about this many times, they forgot how to dress in the morning, (laughs) but they also have forgotten how to pack. Oh, yeah. They just look at their clothes and go, and how did I do this before? And how do I do this? And what do I bring? So we could talk about that maybe in our next podcast. I think that's a great idea. We'll plan on it. In the meantime, we thank you for listening. And we, as always, hope that the view in your mirror is spectacular.